0: content of the Think Dementia podcast is based on the individual opinion and experiences of Amy House and should not be used as or in place of medical care. Think Dementia recommends you consult a physician if you have medical concerns for yourself or a loved one. This disclaimer also extends to any guests or content creators of the show. And now, let's Think Dementia. Hey, everyone, this is Amy House with Think Dementia, and thank you for coming to the podcast today. I know many of you are busy care partners out there and don't have a lot of time for really learning a lot about dementia, so congratulations on just taking that step and taking a few minutes to listen to this, and I hope that this question from Olive helps you understand a little bit about what's going on in the brain and how to think dementia when it comes to taste and smell. My husband was diagnosed with dementia about five years ago. Uh, He doesn't want to eat anything. He says nothing tastes good. So what should I do? Well, that is an interesting situation. And I have to say, I have heard this before. And I've had people that I have cared for and people that I've supported that have had issues with their taste and their smell. And I think, you know, now in the post-pandemic world, we can all have a little bit of more empathy on how frustrating this can be to lose your smell or your taste, because a lot of people had that happen with COVID. And hopefully, your taste or smell returned. But if you can think back to those moments, how tough was it to like want to eat something when there's no flavor to it? Our brain is programmed to understand if foods are good for us or bad for us, if foods are going to provide us with quick energy, if foods are going to help us build muscle, if they're going to give us the vitamins and nutrition that we need. All of those senses and taste and smell helped us as we were evolving learn about what is a good food for us and what is a potentially bad food, a rotten food that's going to get us sick or maybe um, even a poisonous food. And the way that our brain has developed that starts with the five tastes that we have on our tongue. And then the brain has that information, stores a lot of it up, and decides what's good and what's bad. So let's take a moment and think dementia about what's happening in the brain with taste or smell. Medical News Today had a study where they were looking at how likely someone is to get dementia if they have not had the best smell. And they found out some interesting information. They had people smelling peppermint, fish, orange, rose, and leather. And they found that most people were able to get four out of five or better. And then they waited five years and they tested everybody again. And they found that the people who could not get four out of five the first time around were twice as likely to develop dementia in later years. And that was just really a good indicator of this might be something that one day we can measure by smell or taste. Wouldn't that be interesting? But right now we can't. It's just one study of many studies that are done about taste and smell and how it changes. So let's think dementia and realize that this could be a part of the brain that's affected, just like memory loss, just like trouble with finding words, just like changes to vision, even your smell and taste is controlled by your brain. You have taste buds on your tongue. And those taste buds, they come off and they regenerate. But it is true that after 40, those start regenerating less and less. So it does affect your taste. We can taste um, a lot more and smell a lot more when we're under 40 than when we're over. Here is a clue that The situation of somebody not wanting to eat is really about taste or smell. They might say something like, everything here is so salty, I can't even eat it. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, I didn't really add any salt to that. What are they talking about? Or maybe they go to their favorite restaurant and all of a sudden they say, everything here tastes awful. They must have changed the ownership or the recipe or something. This is just, it's not like it used to be. It's not as good as it used to be that might be an indicator that something's going on with their taste. The five different kinds of tastes that we have are sweet, salty, bitter, umami, or sour. So those are the ways that our brain takes in the information by tasting those different kinds of tastes and then using that information to decide, is that good or bad? Is that something that I like or is it something that I don't like? And when you think about how much your taste has changed from a child to an adult, it makes a lot of sense that your brain has something to do with that. During evolution, we needed to make sure that children don't eat something bitter that probably is poisonous. And so there are a lot of foods that children will not eat because it tastes bitter to them. But maybe as they get older, they are not so bothered by that because by then, your brain has really distinguished which bitter tastes are potentially poisonous and which bitter tastes are good, like dark leafy greens or something like cranberries without sugar. That bitter taste, sometimes people like that bitter taste in dark coffee. But again, it was there originally to help make sure as children that we didn't eat something we're not supposed to if left unattended. Everybody knows what the sweet taste bud is, especially if you have a sweet tooth. You're ruled by that uh, taste bud. Let's try a little experiment with your husband to see which of these tastes are still working for him. Here are some examples of different kinds of food that you could have him taste and see what he thinks. One of those, again, would be the sweet taste. Obviously, there's going to be candy, ripened fruit, anything with sugar, cookies, donuts, honey. All of the sweets out there can be used to test, is he tasting the sweet taste anymore? When you give him those things, what does he say about it? Does he like it or does it not taste like anything? The next one would be salty. Salty pretzels, um, salt. You could just take and put some salt on some veggies. You could have them tasting different kinds of chips. How do they feel about the saltiness in these items? And how does that taste to them? Again, I had somebody who said everything was too salty. Everything just tasted like salt. And so to them, anything that had a small amount of salt on it was just not going to taste good. The next one is bitter. I talked about how you can taste those things like cranberries without the sugar, dark leafy greens like kale, dark coffee. If somebody's saying that coffee doesn't taste good anymore, they just it doesn't have a taste that they like, it could be that the bitter taste buds are not able to communicate with the brain correctly. The next one is umami and For many of you, you might have grown up only knowing about four different tastes, but now there is a fifth one, and it's called umami. And it's that earthy taste that you get from mushrooms or soy sauce or tomatoes or cured meats. It's a it's a savory taste. And again, having them try those different things and seeing what it tastes like to them is a good thing to try. And last is sour. So if you have a citrus fruit, like a lemon, grapefruit, oranges, limes, if something has a lot of vinegar in it, like ketchup and mustards, or just, um, you know, something vinegary like a coleslaw with the apple cider vinegar dressing on it, are those the things that they can taste? Do they like the taste in those items? Because that can be a clue. Once you figure out which ones they enjoy still, you can balance out their meal using that information. I took care of someone years ago who had to put ketchup on everything, and that's because he could still enjoy that sour taste, that vinegary taste, and that tartness needed to be on everything. He would put it on pancakes. He would put it on waffles, on top of salad, on chips, anything you can imagine on a plate. He would cover it with ketchup in order to enjoy it, and that might be an easy thing to do so that you can still enjoy the food, Be full, not go hungry, and have food that tastes good to you and get the nutrients that you need from a variety of foods just by covering them with something else like ketchup or maybe a citrus vinaigrette, maybe having, um, you know, a lot of, of those fruits around that are really good with the sour taste like grapefruit. Something like that can really make a difference. If somebody is saying that they can still taste that sweet taste, I've had that too. I've taken care of people who will not eat that oatmeal without four scoops of brown sugar on it. And at some point in the disease, you have to say, what matters most? That they are full and satisfied and that they're happy with the food they have or that the food they have is nutritious. And again, this is a progressive disease. It's not going to get any better. I think we can all admit, though, that sometimes when you only eat a bunch of junk food and sweet food, you don't tend to feel the best. And so if you notice that's affecting them, you might want to figure out ways to incorporate more healthy foods for them. But it could be that you have to take and put a sprinkle of sugar on everything that they eat. And, you know, maybe that's a way to do it. Or you could try something like stevia that doesn't have the calories. And but again, it adds that sweetness Think about making banana bread or making a zucchini bread. Those are ways to get in the vegetables with that sweet taste. And that might be, again, a way to make sure that they are satisfied, they are full, they are getting their nutrients and vitamins from a variety of foods, but you have to sprinkle a little sweet something on everything, maybe a little drizzle of honey, maybe a little bit of maple syrup. It can seem really odd to do that, but again, It's not fun when you don't taste food the way that you remember it. It's really, really makes it difficult to enjoy the food and enjoy that feeling of I am not hungry. I had something that I enjoyed. Those are the little things that really matter to somebody's quality of life. You could also consider putting you know, vegetables in a shake and doing a sweet shake, like a protein shake in the morning with lots of uh, vegetables in there. And then they're getting those dark leafy greens like kale, but they don't taste like that. They're sweet. Salt is a big one. Salt is a hard one because that can really affect somebody's health pretty quickly if they're taking on way too much salt each day. So think about, again, What are the items that they enjoy the flavor of and how can we mask that with a little bit of salt? How can we make sure that they are still getting that salt but not too much sodium in their diet? It might mean that we make a soup that doesn't have any added sodium, you know, and then you do add a sprinkle of salt on top so that those just little salt chunks are right there and they hit the spot, but the whole thing isn't salty and the whole thing is low in sodium. That would be a way to make sure that that soup is still going to satisfy their taste buds but not be so much sodium that it's going to really affect their well-being and how they feel. Water retention, you know, um, just sodium is a very delicate balance in your whole system. And that can be really um, hard and can be really fragile and can really change somebody medically if they're having too much or too little sodium. I'm sure there are other ideas out there, and if anybody has any on how to dress up food for different flavors, I would love to hear them, and I will be happy to share them. Another thing that can change with dementia is that there are some people that report a metallic taste in their mouth. It tastes like metal. And so I, I recently discovered that there is an oral rinse that people can use that helps with that metallic taste. So feel free to Google that and put in metallic taste oral rinse and see what products are out there if that's the issue that the person's really ta- um, tasting too much of a metallic taste in their mouth. I know somebody who used to hate fish, used to get nauseous with it, but now with their dementia, they don't mind fish. They like fish. And so again, It can really change your uh, senses in many ways. The brain is the one that's really deciding what you like and what you don't like. I know somebody who the family said to me, she's not going to eat any vegetables. Just so you know, she never has liked vegetables. She's not going to eat any vegetables. You have to have a lot of other options. But this person just eats up all the vegetables and cleans their plate because, again, their taste has changed. Perhaps everything on the plate tastes the same to them, but if they're happy and satisfied, that's okay with me. Last, I just want to touch a little bit on smell because they're so closely related, right? Your taste and your smell are right there together, and the brain is looking at all that information together. And one of the things that can be really concerning with smell and taste changes as people change and their brain changes would be what is safe and what is not safe. Your brain has put all of that together over the years. Your brain has understood that that smell of sour milk means not to drink that. It knows that if you smell something in your fridge, you must have something in there that needs to come out and get thrown away. Those things are identified by your brain as something that is not good. The smell of gas, we all know that rotten egg smell, and if we have a smell of gas in our home, our brain recognizes it now as a bad smell and something that you should get away from. But this can change with this disease. Dementia can affect the brain in ways that the person can smell that egg smell, that rotten egg smell, but the brain doesn't interpret it as bad. It's losing its memories, right? And that includes all the neurons that built together and decided what are good smells and what are bad smells. So when that part of the brain is damaged, it can mean they cannot know the difference between a good smell and a bad smell. Think of somebody who maybe has some body odor or you know that they have had some incontinence but they don't seem aware. It Again, isn't that they're in denial? They might smell something, but they don't think it smells bad. And again, you as the person with the good nose, has to help be their advocate and support them through that. But it's one of those things to think about. Would they know what to do if they smelled smoke in the house? Would they know what to do if they smelled gas in the house? These are real concerns that, you know, can happen later in the disease. So keeping track of how somebody tastes and smells things throughout the disease, it's a good idea and something easy just to Have a little fun taste test or a little smell test. Make it a fun exercise and do it together. Those are ways to kind of gauge what's going on. Another example would be when somebody drinks a bottle of bleach. You probably have heard about that in the news over the years where somebody has some sort of chemical ingestion and they were living with dementia and you're thinking to yourself, how could they drink that whole bottle? Again, it's because it does not taste bad to them. They can there's a taste to it but the brain doesn't say whoa this is bleach let's get rid of this this is a bad bad taste i we we should not take another sip of this and that's why they can drink an entire bottle and it can be fatal so really think about with your husband having changes to his taste probably having changes to his smell make sure that he's safe that there couldn't be any confusion later and he could accidentally drink something unsafe have those items locked up same thing with medications Most of us might cringe if you think about chewing up some aspirin or chewing up some Tylenol, but if somebody's taste is different, they might just crunch those right up and eat them like candy. So we want to be sure that everything in the house is safe for that. Thank you so much for your question, Olive. I really appreciate it. And until next time, take care. Hey there listeners, this is Amy House with Think Dementia. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you may realize now that during this dementia journey, you need to do more than just love someone. You need to learn how to adapt, and to do that, you have to think dementia. If you have found that helpful to listen to the podcast, please consider a monetary contribution. You can go and support the podcast by going to the website, buymeacoffee.com backslash thinkdementia.